0: happy Sunday happy Sunday um, yeah really really enjoying looking at Nehemiah um, such a pertinent story um, and so much to take out of it I think for this season of our church um, but going on just for building God's kingdom um, so obviously yeah Nehemiah and the Israelites are experiencing so much adversity Uh, so much criticism at this point in the story um, from so many external forces. Um, So what I really want to look at today is in Nehemiah 4, four kind of lessons or little tips that we can use and apply to building God's kingdom even in the face of adversity and persevering through that adversity. Um, So first, I want to take you guys on a bit of a history lesson, a bit of a journey um, way back to a time when some people in this church weren't even born. The year was 2006. Uh, There were some kids who weren't born then. Um, And it was a crazy time. It was absolutely, I was 14 years ago, um, a very young boy who had big dreams um, and big plans. Um, Just to kind of set the context for 2006. Uh, John Howard was still prime minister at this time, Kevin 07 wasn't a thing because 07 wasn't a thing yet Um, bird flu was the thing that everyone was freaking uh, freaking out about, coronavirus wasn't a thing yet Um, so bird flu was what a current affair was scaring everyone about Um, Pluto had been downgraded to a dwarf planet Pirates of the Caribbean 2 was the highest grossing movie that year there's now five Pirates of the Caribbean movies I think we've got enough Pirates of the Caribbean movies now Um, and people were outraged as petrol had just hit over a dollar for the first time in history it's a crazy time Um, and what else was happening was a little no-name band by the name of Sam's Permission were starting up in uh, the tough streets of Bankstown you'll see me in a blue shirt there just rocking out the kind of post-emo look, very, very tough kids. Uh, we, we thought we were really cool, but as you can see from I mean, pretty much every aspect of that photo, I mean, the font, the effects, the clothes, everything. We were very uncool, but we had big dreams um, of being the greatest Christian rock band of all time. It was gonna be phenomenal. And there was only one small problem, which was we had very little musical skill. Um, that was the one big sort of burden in our way. Uh, But, you know, we we had, when we started, we originally had four rhythm guitarists, uh, one pianist and a trombone player. So that's just, yeah, I mean, I don't know any other band that's been successful with that lineup, but we are, yeah, we were going to persist anyway. Um, Our trombonist, Gerard, left very quickly after he realized that he was actually a trained musician and had skill. And after first band practice, he pretty much emptied his spit valve and walked out and was done never came back again um but australian christian rock in the noughties for those of you who don't know was cringy at best um and as i've already established we were far from the best um so it wasn't really entertainment so much as punishment for the audience a lot of the time i remember our drummer dave he had this thing that he would do where he'd throw his drumsticks out at the end of every gig because his mum was still buying his drumsticks at this stage and um instead of people kind of clambering over it as you would for a band that you actually liked um, everyone just like avoided the drumstick the only one time that people didn't do that there was a guy who i don't know was chatting to his mate and the drumstick just hit him clocked square in the head Um, so yeah look we we weren't putting on the greatest show we weren't probably ever going to be the greatest christian rock band of all time at that point Um, but in all of that it's probably pretty easy for you guys to understand that we were a target for criticism and mockery, um, not only within the Christian circles, but outside. You know, all of our friends who weren't Christian thought that our lyrics were pretty ridiculous. Um, look, they weren't very subtle, they were pretty on the nose, but we um, persisted through all of that, through all of this criticism all of these kind of snickerings. If you go to the next photo, you can actually see the other shot. I decided to wear board shorts in the middle of June for the photo shoot. I thought that that would be really cool. Um, Board shorts used to be, actually, I don't think they're ever acceptable to wear, but I thought they were in 2006. Um, Yeah, these are a bunch of young kids who have hopes and dreams. They have a vision for the future for something that they wanna build. And it's very, very easy to become discouraged when uh, you're getting some pretty discouraging criticism some pretty discouraging whisperings, um, and yeah, I suppose mockery even. So the first thing I want to look at in Nehemiah 4 today, as we are building God's kingdom in the faces of adversity from exterior forces, from interior forces, we need to be overcoming criticism. As we read Nehemiah, a similar situation in their own context is kind of happening. They they're trying to rebuild this city. Israel has been absolutely demolished. And they are trying to rebuild, in a way, God's kingdom by rebuilding this city, their, their homeland, their ancestral territory. Um, if we go to Nehemiah 4, 1 to 3, we start hearing some of this criticism that says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones even a fox climbing up on it would break their wall of stones probably not like the best burn in the history of the bible it's kind of a bit of left field that a fox i don't know why they're talking about a fox here necessarily but it kind of struck me as a really interesting criticism because um in this idea that even a fox climbing over it would break down their wall of stones actually took my mind to uh, a quote that i really like from a comedian called pete holmes he says it only takes one dumb donkey to tear down a barn but it takes a lot more than one dumb donkey to build a new barn or in this case it only takes one dumb fox to tear down a wall but it takes a lot more than one dumb fox to build up a new wall to build a wall that's a kilometer long going all around the city of israel and i want to kind of highlight this idea that insults criticism whisperings are so easy to tear something down that we're trying to build And all of this hard work that we can be doing trying to build God's kingdom can suddenly just be undone in a second due to words, due to criticism. And we need to try to be overcoming that criticism, wherever it's coming from, as we're trying to build God's kingdom. It's so much easier to tear something down than it is to build it up, both in the physical and the metaphorical. It's much easier to tear down a wall than it is to build it up again. And it's so much easier to tear down a person a ministry, a, a, a dream than it is to build it up. they were mocked for their progress, but they persevered through this adversity. In Nehemiah 4, 6 to 9, Nehemiah writes, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its length for the people worked with all their heart. They didn't give up. They kept persevering. But when Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the people of Ashd heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Here's the best bit. But we prayed to our God. So instead of becoming disheartened, instead of infighting, instead of even wasting their time, the limited energy that they had, kind of fighting back at the people who were throwing all these insults at them, they take it to God. They relied on God, praying with him daily. They protected what they were trying to build and didn't waste their energy by getting caught up in this criticism. They overcame it. They overcame the criticism. So important that as we're building God's kingdom that we are protecting our progress. And one huge way we can do that as a church is to not only overcome criticism from the outside, but also overcome criticism inside the walls. I'm no longer talking about just overcoming the adversity of criticism. I'm also talking about overcoming the temptation to criticize. It's so easy to criticize. The tongue is a powerful thing. In James 3, 5 to 6, he writes, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of of evil among the parts of the body, amongst the church. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. We need to be so careful that we don't spark fires because a fire started in the middle of a forest is so much more devastating and can spread so much more quickly than one coming from the outside. It's so much more dangerous and let's not undersell, undervalue, underestimate the damage that it can do. And... um there's another part to this kind of metaphor obviously you've got the spark but we need fuel for that fire as well so maybe for you you're not somebody who struggles with kind of taming their tongue as paul writes but you can also be encouraged to not add fuel to that fire proverbs 26:20 20 says without wood a fire goes out without a gossip a quarrel dies down so easy to gossip i know it's something that i've struggled with in my life i have found a lot of struggle in taming my tongue in overcoming that temptation to speak negatively to joke to criticize it's so so easily done so in the last kind of six months i've given myself a bit of a challenge to only speak about others in a way that if they were in the room i could still stand on those words so sometimes that may be, oh yeah, look, I think what they did was a little unfair there. Obviously, you know, there's still those conversations, which if somebody's been hurt by someone, acknowledging that, you know, that's, that, that's just reality, making someone feel hurt in their pain. there's situations that we need to be aware of and accountable for. And it's really interesting, in Ephesians 4.29, we're kind of given another model for how we're supposed to use our words instead of using them to light fires, to offer fuel for a fire. In Ephesians 4, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Only what is helpful for building others up. Our God in Genesis created the whole world through his words. And then he created us in his image. So don't think for a second that our words don't also have power to build up and to destroy. We need to be overcoming criticism outside the walls. And we need to be more intentional about overcoming criticism within the walls. And the next point I want to look at is know your giftings. Really, really important to building God's church, to overcoming adversity, to know your giftings. You know, in the early, early, early days of Sam's permission, I was actually the lead singer of the band. Very short-lived lead singer. I rocked up to band practice one afternoon, and uh, this guy Matt was there, and he was like a really good singer at our church, and I kind of didn't put two and two together what was happening. And I was like, oh, hey, Matt, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, look, Matt's just gonna like sing one or two songs, maybe do a bit of backing vocals on one or two songs. Three weeks later, I was the one doing backing vocals on one or two songs. But you know what? They were actually totally justified in that because I am not a good singer, okay? That is not my strength. And in my weakness in that gifting, I was creating a weakness in the band. When we know our giftings, we're being aware of our strengths and also our weaknesses. Once we know our giftings, we can identify how to truly start serving and building God's kingdom. But we're also going to be more founded in our own identity in Christ. So we're going to be able to overcome overcome that adversity. In Nehemiah 4, 12-13, He writes, Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, the weakest points of the wall, at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. What are the weak points in our walls? Looking out for each other when people are struggling, when they're in times of trouble, and really protecting those parts the most. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this idea of the body of Christ having different parts and the weakest parts needing more protection, that we cover our most vulnerable parts. But also, what are our strengths? What are our giftings? And how do you figure out what your giftings are? I definitely don't have all the answers to figuring this out, but I have three ideas in how maybe we can move into discovering what our giftings are in a better way. Because that can be half the trouble. I don't know what my giftings are. So number one is obviously ask God, and that can be through prayer and petition. That can be through reading his word and seeing what's coming alive to you through the spirit. But just asking God first. The second one is ask friends. Ask people who you trust in your life to speak into you, who know you well, who can really build you up and understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. It's amazing what other people can identify in us when they're looking at us through a different lens, not through our own eyes. And the last part is, why don't I just try something out? <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 calls himself a fool for Christ. It's probably, that's, that's probably the worst that can happen, that we'll be a fool for Christ, and that's a pretty good club to be a part of with Paul. <laughs> and once you discover that gifting, we need to be leaning into it. Again, In Sam's Permission, I would be playing my bass guitar for so long that my fingers would start being blistered, leaning into those giftings, growing in them. Which kind of brings me to my next point. Be unified. As a band, we were awful. We really, really sucked. We had very little musical skill. So what did we do? We would gather weekly. We would practice. In the school holidays, we would literally practice from 9 to 5. I think the neighbors of the church didn't really appreciate that, but you know, we were kind of growing that, being unified together, going to lunch together, going to concerts together, hanging out together, being unified. There's so much strength in a unified body. Years later, kind of after Sam's permission tragically broke up, um, three of us joined a, a friend who was a really talented singer, um, and we were in a rehearsal with her. Um, and myself, the drummer and the lead guitarist, we were kind of working on this song, trying to figure out what to do with it, where it should go. And we started kind of jamming, like, yeah, cool, we should do there. And then at the bridge, we'll like bring it down. Yeah, yeah and then boom, 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 awesome. Yeah, cool. All right, let's do it. And our friend Rachel had to be like, guys, hold up. I have no idea what you guys just said. We were so unified. We had such a unified vision that we were speaking the same language. And because she hadn't been a part of that community, because she hadn't been unified with us, she was falling behind. There's so much strength in unity. Be united. Nehemiah four eighteen to 20 says, But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. They understood the importance of unity as they were building God's kingdom in a time of adversity. They had a trumpet. We had a trombone player, but he left. But they had a trumpet. This idea of being unified, of the importance of understanding the power of coming together. Don't allow someone to become isolated. Meet, rejoin, encourage Hebrews 1024 to 25 says and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching which takes me to my final point as we see the day approaching be prepared be equipped Nehemiah 4, 21 to 24 reads, So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. They were always prepared. They didn't even take off their clothes. Don't get caught with your pants down, is what I would put. Always be ready. Always have a sword at your side. Always be equipped. So you're like, okay, cool. We're living in 2020. What does having a sword by my side mean? I'm not living in the medieval ages or even in biblical times. So for us, it's being equipped with the armor of God daily putting on the armor of God. Ephesians 612 to 18 reads, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, all the criticism, all the exterior and interior criticism, all of the adversity. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You've probably had this revelation before, but it's really interesting when reading that, that nearly all of the armor of God is protection, and then we're just given a sword. And our only real weapon when building God's kingdom is the Word, the Spirit the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's about being well equipped when we're in a situation knowing the verses, knowing the books. When Jesus was wandering through the desert, the devil was tempting him, and the only weapon that he could use was the word. Over the years, in Sam's permission, we probably, I would say, conservatively competed in over 70 Battle of the Bands, which... If you've had the blessing of never having to go to a battle of the band you're you're very lucky uh they're awful they're at the grimiest dungiest rsls and they suck but we persevered and we never won a single battle of the band 70 never won and it wasn't until really close to the end of us being a band that we were we'd made it through to the finals of this one battle of the bands and Another band that was also competing in that competition was a band called Moravia. And they were another band from our church who were a bit older than us. Some of them had been mentors and youth leaders for us. Literally one of them was an older brother to a guy in our band. Another one was an older brother-in-law to a brother in our band. They were kind of just the better version of Sam's Permission in every way. There is no reason that we were going to win this battle of the bands. I mean, you know, we hadn't won 70, so why should we win 71? And we had this really interesting sense as we were kind of sitting in this dungy RSL car park of don't really care about the glory right now because it's not going to happen. We're not going to win. And then someone had the brilliant idea, I'm going to say it was me, but I don't think it was, that what if we actually just gave it all over to Jesus right now? What if we, as five young men of faith, gathered together and prayed, equipped ourselves with the armor of God, so to speak? And in that moment, we had five young kind of teenage boys praying for a solid 20 minutes, which I don't know what teenage boys you know, but in my standards, 20 minutes is a very long time to pray for a bunch of young teenage boys and just gave it over to him. And we won. Do you know what's really interesting? Every time previously, we'd o- already overcome criticism. We'd already discovered and honed our gifts. We were already unified. That's kind of embarrassing to say that we'd kind of never done step four. We'd never given it completely over to God and fully dressed ourselves in the armor of God. Put on the armor of God daily and give it all over to Jesus. So as we're building God's kingdom in the face of adversity, these are maybe four things that we can look at. Overcoming criticism, discovering and honing our gifts, being united, and most importantly, putting on the armor of God daily, being in communion with our creator. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you make yourself so abundantly available to us. We thank you for Jesus who made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could build your kingdom and be equipped. God, I just want to pray for this church today as we're moving forward. Whatever their situation is in their current life, when they're trying to build something, whether they're trying to rebuild a relationship, whether they're trying to rebuild a business, whether they're trying to rebuild a family, a ministry, or the church, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be with them now. That they can be confident in knowing that they are equipped in the armor of God. God, I just pray for unity in this church. I pray that we'll be unified in our identity, that we are followers of Christ. And that you'll be with us daily as we continue to build your kingdom. Amen.